This is Fang, and you're listening to Final Fantasy Union. Welcome to a special edition of the Final Fantasy Union podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. And we're also joined by Rachel Robinson. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. So for those of you who don't know, and if you don't, then shame on you, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Rachel's shame the on voice you. <laughs> Rachel is the voice of Fang in Final Fantasy XIII, and she's reprised her role in Final Fantasy XIII Part Two, and also in Lightning Returns Final Fantasy XIII. And as well as playing Fang, Rachel has been involved in numerous other projects of anime and gaming, and she was recently involved in Tales of Zillia, I believe. Yes. Um, but we're mainly here to talk about the Final Fantasy aspect. Fair enough. <laughs> but before we delve into some questions, I'd like to remind everyone that Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network and TweaksMusic.com, and it comes on the iTunes Store, Final Fantasy Union, and GamingUnion.net. So let's crack into it. We've had so many questions. We had to try and narrow it down. So if you didn't get your question asked, we were very sorry, but we... We'll try and consolidate so that we can... Because I bet a lot of questions are probably similar. So we'll try and get to yeah. as much yeah. comprehensive material as possible. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So the first couple of questions are going to be from Lauren and myself. Um, so we're just going to kick off with those. And then we'll go into some questions from the loads of different things, from like Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, etc. So the first question, Rachel, is... Given that Fang had quite a small role in the previous game, um, were you kind of surprised to learn that she would actually be back in force with Lightning Returns? Not as surprised as you would think. Um, Initially, (laughs) I remember getting the call that I was coming back for 13-2, which I was very excited about. And, uh, well, you obviously saw the way the original ended, and she and Vanille sacrificed themselves. But it's like, they're only in crystal stasis. They weren't dead. Yeah. Cliffhanger. So I went back for that session. And it was a lot of fun, and I got to work with the same people I'd worked with before, which is always great. And then the producer said, I'm so sorry. And I said, what? And he said, this is your only session. (laughs) I said, oh, well, at least I got to come back. But, yeah, it it was disappointing. But I also thought, they, whatever they did, I think they had about 90 seconds of screen time. Um, But they did play a pretty critical role in, uh, in furthering the story and what ends up happening to Sarah and Noel and, and what have you. So I wasn't as surprised because the way it was set up was that they definitely, there was dialogue to indicate that they were still alive and that Hope was going to try to bring them back. So I didn't get my hopes up too much because, like with anything, I'm a little superstitious when it comes to these things. I don't really tell people when I have a session unless until I'm in the booth actually working. Sometimes I just don't believe it because <laughs> anything can change at any time. Um, I didn't know uh, what I was surprised to find out was just how much I had to do in the third game, which was a thrill, of course, because, you know, which was very pleasing for you (laughs) Get to reprise a role that you love so much, but you get to work with great people and it's work period. So (laughs) the more work, the better. And so much. So if, um, if you're working on something that really makes you happy. So I wasn't as surprised to come back, but I was surprised to see how much I got to do. And it was fantastic. 
Did you do anything different to prepare for the role this time, or was it just like riding a bike? Honestly, it it was, you know, I think I probably did practice some Australian for a little bit. Um, <laughs> that, I was less, there was less warning for me about coming back. It really did kind of hit me out of the blue. I was dealing with a lot of other stuff at the time, so when I got the email saying, hey, we're, they're bringing you back for 13.3, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, great. I figured that might be happening at some point. Um, not really. I think when I when I got in the booth, the director, they played me a few samples, and he said, so, so you can get back into memory mode. Um, but that was about as much preparation as I could have. P.S., they don't give you any sides to look at beforehand. You basically just walk in cold. Yeah. So. Did you did you have um, an Australian... You said uh, last time that you had um, somebody there uh, for the Australian dialect. Did you have that again this time? No, I didn't. Uh, it's so interesting the way each of these was recorded. The first one was done at, at just one studio only for however many months we did it, on and off probably for six months, and he was there then. There... Well, wait a minute. I might be totally full of it. I'm trying to remember <laughs> if there was somebody there. There was a translator there. Ah, uh, that's right. <laughs> translator for the, for the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no actual Australian in the room. But there was somebody there to kind of monitor uh, translations and whatnot. Because, you know, on occasion, there are things that, uh, when translated directly into English, they don't make sense idiom-wise or phrase-wise. And there's things that, the, you know, the, the characters might not necessarily say. Yeah. So a few things do get altered in that regard, but uh, no, it was me and the director, the engineer, and uh, and that gal. So pretty small group. So here we get onto the fan questions. I'm going to apologize in advance for all the names we butcher. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, the I might not be the wiser, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so the first one is from Tumblr, and it's from Eregnes. Uh, and they ask, so now that it's the final installment, uh, what are your thoughts on Fang and the story in general? And how do you feel about voicing Fang for what we believe is the last time? Oh, well, you know, it's it's sad. All good things must come to an end. Initially, I had said, I'll play Fang as long as they let me, or as long as they keep creating things for her to do. Um, I mean, I think it's... I don't know that they ever were planning on necessarily making three installments of the same number, so we're pretty lucky in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it's definitely um, something that's come kind of unprecedented. It is. I know that a couple of the other ones did have sequels, and I know there are a bunch of offshoot games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people were saying, oh, Fang and Vanille should have their own game. I thought that'd be a lot of fun, of course. I, I would keep doing it. On the other hand, you know, with some series, it's nice when they actually go out at the top. Um, although you miss them and you think, God, I could, I could have so much more, but then you've seen other series, and I'm not even just talking about games, I'm talking about sitcoms or whatever. They just go on too long and it gets tired, and how many situations can you put them in before you're just rehashing basically the same storyline? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it again, but <laughs> if they're not planning on making any more, there's probably a very good reason, and I am incredibly grateful to have, been, to have gotten to be a part of it not once but three times. And, um, you know, the key is to, <laughs> you don't want people to get sick of you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, if it, the fact that this character and that story has still generated so much interest and so much love and appreciation, which I'm really grateful for, um, if that, uh, you know, if it, if it means we're going out at the top of our game, then great. <laughs> cool. So um, this next one is from, oh gosh, uh, Baby Fang Valkyrie. I think okay. from t Tumblr, um, who asked, was it 
difficult to try and feel what it was like to be reunited with lightning after over 500 years apart? Well, <laughs> I don't have a frame of reference for being alive that long. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, I can make comparisons as to my own experience with it. It had been, I'm trying to remember when I actually went back to record 13.2, it was probably, yeah, well over a year and a half. Or no, about two years. Mm -hmm. So that felt like a long time. I mean, it was interesting to get to get back into that story mode where, you know, uh, we never record with other people. They record yeah. everybody individually. So it's not like I have anybody to play off of. Um, no, I wouldn't say that it was difficult necessarily. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess reading what was uh, reading what was written, um it certainly indicated that it had been a very long time since they'd seen each other. And her first appearance um, in the first in the first trailers, that's sort of when, you know, when lightning, you know, when the guy says, here she is, boss, the, <laughs> the new recruit with the crazy powers. <laughs> and so they do, yeah, they have her sitting in a chair and turn around and stand up. So it is that sort of big reveal. So that was very cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, this next one is from Christopher Torres on Facebook who asks, do you have a favorite quote from Fang? Oh, gosh, it wouldn't be fair to pick just one. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have a favorite. I think, you know, a lot of people like the, the battle lines when she says, eat this. Mm. And didn't even break a sweat. Hardly worth the effort. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they are big on one-liners in this yeah. game. So... You know, I, I usually let, if somebody asks me to do a fan quote, I usually let them pick. I don't really have a favorite, sadly. Well, maybe not sadly. Maybe it's a good thing. You yeah. love the character so much, and you love everything that she says, that you can't pick one. Yeah, no, I, I really can't. Uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I like when she acts extremely Australian. She says, let's get through this one first, yeah? So, I like when she's just kind of offhandedly, offhandedly talking. Yeah, definitely. How often do you get asked to do uh, Fang's accent to say classic Australian phrases? Uh, every time I'm at a con, <laughs> and let's see, not not so often in in day to day life, I think. But yes, yeah, certainly any time I'm doing a panel, there will there will be that question, especially if it's a Final Fantasy related panel, because you would expect yeah. territory. But no, not often on a daily basis. Occasionally, I I start talking to someone, and I'm like, you know, somebody at Verizon. Oh, you're a voice actor? Oh, that's fascinating. I've always been interested in that. It's really funny because, you know, most people in my world, I know so many voice actors, so I forget that there's an entire universe of people who don't know or don't care. But it's always like this exotic animal to them. Like, oh, I've never, oh yeah, I've heard of this thing. What is that you do again? <laughs> um, and, but uh, most of the time they're just like, oh, so you do commercials and games. Oh, that's so cool. I said, well, do you play this game? Well, my son does or my daughter does. Um, every now and then in that regard, but it's mostly at cons. Yeah. Um, do you feel as though... Actually, sorry, this next question is from uh, Demo Valmon. Uh -huh. Is that right? I would say Demo Valmon, but okay. whatever. They're from the forums, uh, and they asked, do you feel as if Fang has become a stronger character as she's gone through the series? I think so. I mean, she is introduced as a fairly strong character character to begin with, even though when you first meet her, you have no idea what side she's on. Um, and she's sort of mysterious in that, well, I think her, 
<laughs> first time you see her, she's knocked snow out. Um, I, I definitely think so. In you know, in the second one, uh, like I said, you don't see her Vanille for very long, but uh, they open up a time hole. So I think in the third one, obviously I'm not a- allowed to reveal anything, but there was a lot to do, and um, I think people are going to find that uh, the the act the uh, oh my god what is the word the event the <laughs> the thing that she's spearheading wow my brain um, is pretty important and also aids in eventually getting everybody to where they need to be. Sure, that's so, a, a good enough teaser to get people uh, excited I, for the game. Yeah, I hate to be so vague because I'm usually I'm I'm loath to not be eloquent or articulate, but um, I think uh, people are going to find that she's what she has to do in this one is going to be pretty spectacular. Okay, this next one is from Two N on the forums, who asks, "Have you become a fan of the Final Fantasy franchise after being part of it, or is it just a professional relationship?" Um, it's definitely more than a professional relationship. I, I, I am a fan. I think when I first, when I first booked it, oh gosh, that was about five years ago. And I'd obviously heard of Final Fantasy. I didn't, I hadn't played very much, but people were <laughs> telling me in no uncertain terms, I don't know if you know what a big deal this is. This is a huge <laughs> franchise. This is important. I said, no, I know. And they said, no, you don't understand. Tokyo shuts down whenever one of these games comes out. It's these, you know, these characters are national heroes. Um, so I said, well, I mean, obviously, I obviously I take all my work seriously, whatever it is I'm doing. Um, but as I got to know the character more and work on her for longer and longer and really start to breathe life into her, I did. I got very attached. Um, so, of, of course, I'm going to be a fan. I, I'm literally right in the middle of it for for months on end. And you get to know these characters and you you get to be part of their story and you get to help create that story. So you sort of can't help but be a fan. I don't have a gaming console of any kind. And I've probably said this a million times, and I'm sorry if everybody's heard this before. I'm <laughs> sick of it. If I played games, I probably wouldn't leave the house. <laughs> yeah. And I need to leave the house. I'll play games at other people's houses because a ton of my friends have them. And, and I love games. I just um, I don't think I can afford to, to have the, <laughs> the ability to play at home because all of a sudden 60 hours will go by. It's a problem. And uh, and then I thought, wow, I could have been doing something. Well, in, in my mind, no, it's productive. It's research. It's it's character study. Yeah, but, um, even though we're happens. gamers, even though mm-hmm. we're gamers, we know full well how much time we do spend yeah. on games. There's <laughs> stuff that I do waste my time on when I could be, you know, doing something wildly productive. But uh, that's the. And I I I love the games. I just I won't have a way to play them myself at the house because. Yeah. It's important that I leave. It's a personal choice. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've mentioned a bit about Vanille and Fang so far, um, and John Muller, nineteen ninety one from Tumblr, would like to know what's your take on their relationship, stroke friendship. Um, my take has always been, and at least this is, and I and I do think that Square Enix kind of left it deliberately ambiguous so that people could interpret it the way they wanted to, or the way they the way they saw, or the way they felt. And, the, and I appreciate that. I've always seen it as they were raised together and grew up like sisters and best friends. That doesn't mean that they couldn't have some other relationship. I really don't know. Um, there are definitely uh, things that, that point to that, that hint at that. And, you know, either way, I think 
the most important thing that I got out of it was that they were extremely close and that they would do anything for one another, regardless yeah, of what. Very strong connections. Mm-hmm. And that literally one would sacrifice herself for the other. So it is certainly love, whatever kind of love that is. I think is is uh, open to interpretation, and I think it it certainly can be read any number of ways. I can't say for sure what it is because I don't know myself, but that's how I read it. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next one is from Bumble Diddle on Tumblr, who asks, um, speaking as one of these people, how awesome does it feel to know that you voiced a character that brought comfort to so many LGBT youth who didn't at the time feel accepted by the gaming culture and were finally seeing a character just as ambiguous enough that they could relate and draw some hope and acceptance from that? That makes me feel fantastic, honestly. Um... There's something about this this industry, this universe, animation, games, anime, that has fostered an amazing sense of community that I've seen. And as soon, when I started going to cons, I really started seeing more of it. God knows, I have often felt like an alien myself of some kind. Yeah. We all feel like we don't fit in at one time or another. And there are some days when I'm sort of like, I don't know who any of you people are. Or <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who I am. Um, it's... It, it, it was already a wonderful thing to be able to play this character, and then I saw the amazing amount of love she was getting and the amount of appreciation that that I personally was getting, even just being her voice, not even just about the character design or the, anything like that. Um, and I've gotten some wonderful thank yous. I've gotten some wonderful handwritten notes from people. People come up to me and they tell me that that this character has, in effect, changed their life. And help them from keep from being lonely, and help them yeah. find uh, more of a sense of community and more friends. I actually um, did get a note from someone saying that that this character and whatever it was that I did in some small way helped him to decide not to leave this earth. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that is that is a massive responsibility, and yeah. I feel so grateful that you know because most days I'm like I am not. <laughs> I am not sending a man to the moon. Well, they did that already. I'm not saving <laughs> lives. I'm not curing cancer. And But I feel like if I'm doing something good in one small way to make a few people happy, then that's huge for me. And I really yeah. appreciate that. And I hope that I can continue to. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And, you know, I've been going to cons for years. I only started being a guest at them several years ago. But the, the outpouring of appreciation has just been incredible. I mean, far more than I ever would have expected or thought. I guess that goes back to what you were saying before about how you know people were telling you how much of a big deal it was going to be, and like how you probably didn't really appreciate it at the time. This was an aspect that that it was not that I didn't see coming or something, but it was a whole different aspect that I it helps me appreciate it so much more, and it always helps me remember how, just how many people flock to this kind of thing. People get very attached to characters. They find somebody they can relate to. A lot of these characters are written as outsiders. A lot of these characters are written as people who are finding their way in the world. Not everything is perfect in these games um, and, and in animes and animation, and I think people really respond to that. So it's opened up a whole new world for me, um, and, it, and, and I can appreciate it too as somebody who has often felt like a little out of place or sometimes a lot out of place, depending. Well, this next question kind of goes into that. Um, it's from Yoko Kanner on Tumblr, and they ask, where are you from? Because your Australian accent sounds so, so, na- sounds so natural. 
I'm sure you've heard that so many times. God, I so appreciate that. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Los Angeles. I was, in fact, born at UCLA Hospital, so I don't know if it gets any more Angelino than that. But I, um, I've always had an ear for dialect and appreciation for dialect. I've been a mimic for a lot of the time. I would never, I don't do impressions, but mm. when I tell stories, I always just sort of morph into whoever happens to be talking in that story. And I love the Australian accent. I've spent quite a bit of time in Sydney, so that's really where I had picked it up. But I have, I have family in Australia. Um, that dialects are sort of, that's one of my fortes. That's one of the things that I've always worked on, always tried to build on. And uh, if, if I manage to fool that many people, then I am doing my job. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so I, that, that means a lot to me, especially coming from, from people from Australia. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next one is from Octus15, I'm going to guess his name is, on Twitter, who asks, um, do you feel as though you and Fang have anything in common? Oh, let's see. Aside from her being about five or six inches taller than me and having <laughs> hair and doing amazing things with the Dragoon Lance, I would like to think that um, I share her sense of loyalty. I share her sense of adventure. I share her sense of um, doing the right thing. I have a kind of pathological honesty, which sometimes gets me in trouble. And which is not to say that when I'm being honest, I'm cruel. Far from it. Mm. But sometimes I literally just cannot help myself. Um, and I, I definitely always have, I have almost <laughs> a rather inflated sense of justice. Uh, <laughs> I have not turned vigilante or anything like that, but... Yet. There are things that still that still upset <laughs> yeah. I deem them to be unfair. Rachel uh, Robinson on the loose. <laughs> that's right. Watch out. Um, whatever the hell that means, I don't know. She's a, she's a really intriguing character. I was I, I actually, and I probably have mentioned this in, in other interviews before. So again, I apologize if I become repetitive. Um, I read for a number of roles for this game, including Hope and Lightning. And I also read, I believe, for Jill Nabot. I ended up with Fang, and I couldn't be happier. Mm. Um, she just was so unique. She did not fit into any standard cookie-cutter female category. You know, this is, it's pretty rampant. They, women in games tend to fall into damsel in distress or big yeah. booby bimbo or <laughs> villain, uh, yeah. maybe with a couple of other offshoots um, and, and often don't have a lot of interesting things to say. She was such a central role in this game and ended up being pivotal between a lot of other characters. I thought, this is cool. This is, she has so many layers to her that there's going to be a discovery process throughout this. I think that's probably one of the good things from your perspective, too, because Final Fantasy XIII, the characters had to go through such progressions throughout the game. They, were, they, were, you know, they had so many challenges and personal uh, difficulties that they had to try and face, so it was probably quite an interesting challenge for you oh, from that perspective. Absolutely. I, I just felt like terrible things kept happening to them all the time, which I guess is... You further the story. But, um, you know, what I like is that the way these characters behave is very human. Nobody is infallible. And it's really important to keep, I feel like, hammering that point home. We're so used to seeing these one-dimensional characters way back in the day, and they just do their thing, and they're like, hooray, we won! Hooray, I killed him! Oh, ow, that hurts! And this is, you know, this required, this was one of the hardest performances that I've ever had to do. This required a lot of digging deep. And um, I think whatever character you're playing, you always have to find some similarities between yourself and that character, even if they are the most horrible entity 
that you can imagine. And I know some people know this. I um, was in Helsing Ultimate, and I had to play a Nazi vampire. Now, of course, I have no frame of reference for this. But, uh, you know, the fact that Zoran Blitz whoops, was a Nazi was not even the worst thing about her. <laughs> and, you know, th- that was hard. It, it was almost, she was almost so horrible that I could even just bypass and just throw myself in and say, well, there's nothing that you can do for this character that would yeah, be able to <laughs> You know, and I, and I was directed by one of my favorite people in the world who just did such a masterful job, Allison Jaffe, who I'm sure any gamer and anime fan will know of because he's just done a million things and he's brilliant. Um, so he managed to actually get even the teeniest bit of humanism out of her, that she had some fallibility and that, oh, I, uh, I am not going to win this game eventually. Um, so I think I've I found something in common with almost everything that, I, that I've read, and I, and I really appreciate that. And it's funny because sometimes I think you end up with the characters that you're really supposed to have when, uh, you know, when all is said and done. Yeah, I guess it just shows that the casting directors did a very good job. Yes, and I so appreciate that they picked me because, you know, based on my audition, I, I don't know that I would have. But it's, uh, and, and that's only because it, it tended, you know, it was fairly flat just in retrospect, but I think I was trying to approach it from a very calm standpoint. But uh, it's very nice when somebody hears you and they think, like, this is the thing. This is the thing, this sort of intangible quality that I don't know what it is. It's not yeah. just the of your voice or the depth of your voice or whatever it is but it's just something that like you hear it and you know it and I've been on the other end and I can detach from it and if only I could apply that ev- <laughs> that <laughs> process to every time I audition I'd probably book everything you just you know it when you hear it and uh, I, I really appreciate that whatever they heard they liked because this said uh, this really was a watermark for me so this next question is from Vince Kenny on Twitter and mm-hmm. they ask how do you uh, kind of get psyched up for doing battle cries? Is there anything you is there anything particular you need to do to kind of get in the mood? Mm. Well, it helps if you're in a horrible mood. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so basically, this, driving it, around LA before recording. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, have a really important document not get gets you in the mail, or yeah, miss miss uh, an appointment by just a couple minutes. Um, it's a good question because this is this often comes up in games, and I do a lot of games of this nature, and I've done quite a few military games. So there's a lot of uh, you know, you are shouting over gunfire, you're shouting over explosions, or you've been knifed, or you've been stabbed, or you've fallen off a cliff. Um, in this particular instance, did, did they explain I, it to you in that kind of in that kind of way? So in this well, next scene, you've kind of fallen off a cliff. Well, usually uh, what they do is they'll have you record any dialogue-driven stuff first, and they'll have you do reaction noises at the end of your session because a great many of them require a lot of physical uh, preparation and engagement, um, especially any long, extended battle, battle cry or a death scream. Um, so what I did in preparation was just wait, really. There definitely are exercises you can do. It is highly recommended that throughout any session you just keep drinking as much water as you can possibly stand. <laughs> um, I have, you know, throat lozenges. It's recommended that you also don't drink things like, uh, you know, dairy, coffee, eat chocolate, yeah. anything that's going to make you all, like, phlegmy. Um, there's a wonderful substance that every voice actor I know has in their house or in their car called Ninjam Pepakwa, and it is a Chinese honey loquat syrup that is just magical. 
<laughs> and has kept me from completely blowing my voice out. You can buy uh, it at all good retailers. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy it at all good retailers. Well, it's actually a little harder to find than that. You can have <laughs> some specialty markets, or a lot of you know homeopathic pharmacies will have it. But you know, a huge bottle is about ten bucks, and it'll last you a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, it. The story goes that uh, Fred Tattashore, who I'm sure you guys have heard of, who plays the Hulk, uh, mm. it's actually called Hulk Juice because of him. <laughs> that, or its nickname is Hulk Juice. But you know, beyond that, yes, you. You breathe, you sort of, you get physical, and you really try to imagine something horrible happening to you. Um, it's very fortunate that when I record these things, there's a lot of room to move around. And you have to be physical in front of the mic. You mm. can't stand there with your hands at your sides. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're running, you can't really actually run. <laughs> if you're falling off a cliff, you can't fall down. You have to stay on mic. But yeah. um, I just, uh, you know, I breathe a lot. Breathing is extremely important. And, you know, and I have a voice that, as you may have figured out, that can get hoarse pretty easily. <laughs> this is this is where my voice lives, really. So I do have to be careful. But, uh, you know, beyond that, there's, uh, you just, sometimes you just got to go for it and then see what happens. And, you know, and they'll they'll make you do it until they get what they want. But they won't force you into, you know, you're not going to completely blow your voice out. If, if they're smart and if they understand that, you know, this is a process. Yeah, definitely. Anybody okay. who knows what they're doing will not make you do it at the beginning of a session, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. Rah! Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, well, we have one more question, um, and it's from what fan on Tumblr who asks, um, if by some amazing stroke of luck there are remakes of Final Fantasy 1 through 9 that include voice acting, who would be your dream character to voice? Oh, that's a tough one, and I feel like I might get busted because I don't really know the other characters that well. Um, it's I know <laughs> I feel like a fraud. It's okay. Um, there you know uh, there are some wonderful characters. I I mean I'm trying to remember when they they talk about the most upsetting deaths in mm. video games, and I believe Paris is always up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eris. And I watched it, and it is heartbreaking. Isn't it? It is really heartbreaking. I mean, I can't, I can't watch animated animals and people get hurt. It's just, yeah. I'm, I'm extremely sensitive. So, I think, you know, if there's some, I actually, I have looked. I've, I've looked at the. Some people, the fans have made lists of, you know, the best female characters from that series. Um, you know, I, if they wanted me back for anything, I'd be happy. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's it's amazing. This franchise has been around for, I want to say, more than 20 years. So yeah. that's incredible. To to really be to be part of this pantheon is is really huge. And, you know, and I can only judge based on what people tell me that, that Fang is so many people's favorite character. And, she, you know, don't get me wrong. She has certainly gotten some vitriol from <laughs> other people. But, you know, that's, you, you don't want to, you know, I guess it would be boring if it wasn't polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't think there's anybody who feels ambiguous about Fang. Or, I'm sorry, yeah. feels ambivalent. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking sure. the time to speak to us. Of course. For you Final Fantasy Union fans, we have plenty of other interviews lined up. This is just the start, but what a freaking start. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, thank you, Rachel. And are, are you guys excited for the game to come out? Oh Absolutely. my gosh, yes. Yeah, I have you also seen that little that 16-bit retro uh, recap that Square Enix put out? 
Yeah, yeah, it's been going around like crazy. It's so really, many it's, of my friends are crazy about it. It's adorable, but and also extremely comprehensive. Some people said they actually like it better than playing through both games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it makes me happy because I come from an era of eight-bit games. Yeah. And um, that's you know, I grew up playing things like Super Mario Brothers and Pac-Man and Centipede and Frogger and Galaga and Tron and you know, I'm completely dating myself, but. All this stuff. It, it was really, it was cool to have those worlds meshed because, you know, I love the music from the game. The music's absolutely incredible. And uh, it was helpful. So it's all compressed into seven minutes. So I apologize to people. I couldn't pick a character from the past series, but, you know, throw suggestions I'm sure out there. I'm so forgive you. Yeah, well, I hope so. You are a fang after all. I mean. I, well, I, you have no choice but to forgive me. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot. And for anyone who isn't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. We've got plenty of stuff coming up in the coming weeks around the launch of Final Fantasy Lightning Returns. So, yes, it's very exciting. Thanks once again. Thank you for having me. It's always fun talking to you guys.